Well, good morning. Hey, man, we can see that God is in the miracle working business. From what I hear, I know I was gone last week, but that is two weeks in a row that Jared has made a deer hunting reference. <laughs> Praise the lamb. He's coming. I'm going to have him in a tree with me one day. Uh, right, Chris? We're going to. We are. Hey, um, you heard Jared talking just a moment ago of, of our mission statement here, and it's to saturate the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And um, I'm so excited of what's going to take place in a few weeks. Um, Looking back at 2018, you know how in your mind you can highlight some of the greatest things that you saw God do. And, and this time last year was when we were on the verge of seeing God do something amazing. And, and so what we've, we've, we've asked the Lord and God has opened the door for us to do this again. But on December 8th, um, we will be participating in something that we call um, Send Sunday, not Sin Sunday. Because some of you are going, yes, Send Sunday. That sounds, we could probably advertise that and get a lot more people here. Um, but it's going to be Send Sunday, which is us fulfilling the vision and the mission that God has given us here at Chestnut Mountain. And so you may be thinking, maybe you weren't here last year and maybe you're wondering what this is about. Um, December 8th is a Sunday. And what we will be doing that Sunday is we will be gathering together as one united family in this room. We won't be having small groups that Sunday. Everybody will be gathering in here at 10 o'clock. And you say, everybody, yes, we want kids. We want little ones. I want the screaming babies. I want the toddlers running everywhere because that gives mine permission to do it because she'll be the world's worst. But because that's what the, the church family is supposed to look like. We're gonna be in here together for a time of worship and then, then I'll challenge us as a church for just a, just a quick message. And then what we will be doing is we will be dismissing from campus by 11 o'clock that day where we will be sending you outside the walls of this church to feed over 2,000 people. We've got locations, yes. Give God a hand for what he's gonna do that day. Um, we've got a kitchen team who's gonna be preparing all of the food for us. You will have a designated space that you will be going to, a designated location. We'll be going from everywhere, from good news at noon to fire stations, to police departments, to department stores, but they will be prearranged places where we will be sending you. And you think, well, Brian, that's really kind of out of my comfort zone. That really makes me awkward that I don't really know anybody here yet. Can I tell you that we saw so many relationships developed last year on Send to Sunday, just by us getting to serve together. You're gonna to get to serve alongside people that you don't know who they are, but guess what? That won't be the case anymore after December 8th. You will realize that you've got new family members, you've got people around you that you can do life with. Um, but you say, well, Brian, how is that gonna work? How will we know where to go? I'm glad you asked. Next Sunday, which I believe is the 24th, is that correct? November 24th, I think that's the next week. Um, the way we'll be responding next Sunday is we'll be asking you to put your yes on the table. And we will, have a, we will have a card similar to what's in the seat back now, but it will be labeled Send Sunday. And all we were asking you to do is for you to sign you and your family up. Okay, and that way we will have you and we got a team that will be putting and making those teams. You will be giving a location. And so when we leave here on December 8th, it's not like we just send you out the door with a bunch of spaghetti and you go, okay, where do I go with this? No, we will send you with a team leader. They will organize everything. All you are asked to do is to be obedient that day and to love on our community. You say, well, man, it would be a whole lot easier if we just invited everybody here for a spaghetti supper, wouldn't it? That'd be a lot less hassle. But that's the exact opposite of what the Great Commission says. The Great Commission doesn't tell all of them to come, but it tells us as the church to go. 
And so that's what church is going to look like that day. And notice I said, that is what church will look like that day. That will be us being the church and being outside these walls and being the hands and the feet of Jesus. So I'm excited about it. I hope you are. And I would ask you to begin today even praying, God, what does that look like for my family? You know, there's just some things that we don't need to pray about. You just got really awkward because you're sitting there in your mind. Your, your little cop out today is like, you know what? I'm going to pray about that this week. I'm going to see if really, if God wants me to go. I'm going to pray and see if the Lord wants me to be his hands and his feet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real spiritual and I'm going to pray about this all week. He's already commanded it. We don't have to pray about it. Okay, he said go. But we're just providing an opportunity for you to go. And I promise it'll be a fun day. It'll be a great day. And you won't, un you won't understand the, the, the energy that will be in this room at 10 o'clock on December 8th. Okay, it's gonna be like a, a Saturday in college football nation. We'll be ready to go out and be the hands and the feet of Jesus. So I'm excited about it, okay? I'm also excited about the book of Habakkuk is over as of today. <laughs> Praise, the, yeah, we got one hand clap down here. But I can honestly say that over the last six weeks, we have started this journey through this book. And really with all intensive purposes, it was gonna be about a three-week series. I think we're on like week 57 now is what it feels like. But today we're gonna wrap it up, but I can honestly say that this has been one of the most practical, relatable and applicable books that I have ever studied through and preached through. Because I think we can all look at our lives and we can examine, we can, we can relate to everything that Habakkuk has felt, everything that he has prayed, all of the things that he has said to God, all of the emotions that he's felt towards God, we can all say, you know what? We've been exactly where this prophet himself has been. And so what I love most about this book is the way that it started. It started with a lot of question marks. It started with a lot of things unanswered. But what we're gonna realize today is where it ends is with a big exclamation point. So we've seen all these question marks and today it's gonna be stamped with an exclamation point. And the, re the truth of the matter is though, is that his circumstances never changed. That Habakkuk's circumstances never changed, but his commitment did. And today you're probably gonna hear a lot of the same stuff that you've heard over the last five or six weeks because it's kind of a summary of, of everything that we've been talking about put all in, in about an hour and a half sermon, okay? So y'all didn't catch that, but anyway, you'll wake up in a minute. But, but what I love about this is throughout the process of this prayer, through this song, through this plea to God that Habakkuk is presenting, his circumstances never change. But what Habakkuk does is he makes a commitment to God to worship him in spite of the unanswered prayers. He says, you know what, God, I'm gonna worship you anyway. But what we're gonna land on today is we're gonna see that we're gonna close with the idea that, that Habakkuk settles two things in his heart. And that is my prayer for you as, as followers of Christ today, for you as the church today, is that we can walk away today closing the book of Habakkuk and we can have two things settled in our hearts. And here's the two things that I want us to settle in our hearts today. And this is something that God is gonna show us. Number one, it's not always going to turn out like we want. 
It's not always gonna turn out like we want. The second thing that I want you to settle in your hearts today by the power of the Spirit of God is even if, which is where you see our sermon series name come from, even if it doesn't, I'm going to trust and worship my God. So number one, things aren't always gonna go as we plan. And number two, even if they don't, we're gonna make a commitment today that we're gonna worship God for who he is. And we see that this first thing is discussed in chapter three. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to, to turn to the book of Habakkuk again for the last time. <sighs> in chapter three, and we're just gonna simply read three verses today. But we first, we see the first thing that he settled in his heart in verse 17. Follow along with me as we read verse 17. It says, though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olives should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls. You see, what we gotta remember is that this is a verse of a song. This is a cry of a, of a worship song, of a prayer, kind of all put into one. And what Habakkuk is saying in this verse alone, he said, you know what, God? I have prayed that this would not happen. I have prayed that we wouldn't lose everything. But God, I'm realizing the more I spend time with you, the more you speak to me, God, the more you show me things aren't always going to turn out like I want them to. Things aren't always gonna turn out the way that I want them to because what he realizes is that when Babylon is done with Israel, when Babylon is done with Judah, what he's saying is, you know what? There's not going to be much left. There's not going to be much left. And so what, what Habakkuk is seeing for the nation of Israel is that from an earthly perspective, everything of earthly value Everything of earthly wealth is going to be stripped away from them. Everything they deemed important, everything that they found their identity in is going to be stripped and taken away from them. I mean, look what verse 17 says. There's no blossoms. There's no fruit. There's no olives. There's no food. There's no cattle. Everything is gone. Nothing turned out like I planned for it to turn out. God, this is not what I prayed for. God, this is, this is not what I hoped for. Matter of fact, God, this is exactly the opposite of what I prayed for. But God, you know what? I'm making a commitment today. I'm gonna be okay with that. But the question is, is the, the difference in Habakkuk and where many of us are When we have faced situations of life where things didn't turn out the way we thought they should, how did we respond? Did we respond in the way that we're gonna see Habakkuk respond in verse 18? Because I wish I could say that every time that I walk through seasons of life where I don't see things turn out the way I prayed for them to turn out, I wish I could say that I was okay with it. But there's a lot of times I'm not okay with it. There's been a lot of times in my life, and I think you would feel free to say that, you know what, I've been there too, but there's been times in our life when things haven't gone as planned, things haven't turned out the way we want, 
And maybe the first thought that comes to our mind is we say things like, what's the point? I quit. I give up. I'm going to throw in the towel. There's no hope. I don't know how I'm going to get over this. I don't know how I'm going to overcome this. I don't know how I'm going to get past this. But you see, that's exactly what Satan, the enemy, wants you to be saying. He wants you to say, I quit. He wants you to say, I give up. He wants you to say, there's no way that I will survive this. And what the enemy does is he uses these very circumstances, the very storms of our life that we're gonna look at in just a moment. And he uses these as stumbling blocks because he wants us as believers to get our focus off of the one who has called us and get focused on the circumstances that are around us. And you just heard it a minute ago, the, when we face the mountains that seem that they're insurmountable, that there is no way that I can climb that hill. There is no way that I can overcome this impossibility. The enemy wants you to lay down and he wants you to quit. He wants you to give up. He wants you to throw in the towel. He wants to create anxiety. He wants to create, he wants you to, he wants to create depression. He wants to create those sleepless nights because you can't see the end. You think there's no way out. And the enemy wants you to be so focused on these things that he causes absolute chaos in our lives. He wants these circumstances to seem impossible. He wants them to seem insurmountable. And what he tries to do is he tries to make our circumstances bigger and louder than the voice of God. You realize that's all he's trying to do. He is trying to make your circumstances, he's trying to make your storm bigger. He's trying to make it scream louder than what we hear and see God as. That's all he's trying to do. But the truth is this, the bigger the enemy can make our circumstances appear, the harder God's promises are to hear. The bigger the enemy tries to make our circumstances appear, the quieter the voice of God appears. But you know, we see where in chapter two, which is probably my favorite message that came from this or probably the, the thing that God taught me most in this series. But in, in chapter two, verse one, we see that Habakkuk made a decision to rise above his circumstances, to rise above the chaos, to rise above the storm. And we read that in, in chapter two, verse one, when Habakkuk makes that commitment and he says, you know what? I will stand on my guard post. And I'm gonna station myself on the rampart and I will keep watch to see what he, talking about God, what he will speak to me. So what we understand is this, Habakkuk is not in this moment praying for his circumstances to change anymore. But what Habakkuk is doing is he's changing his focus. He's taking his focus off of his circumstances and he says, you know what? I'm rising above my circumstances. I'm not gonna look at death. I'm not gonna look at the situations in my life that are causing chaos. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna rise above all of it 
And I'm going to turn an ear and an eye to a heavenly father who loves me. I'm going to change my focus. I'm going to look to God instead of the circumstances that are surrounding me. And like I said, you're going to hear a lot of things repeated that you've heard over the last several weeks. And, and I wasn't even here last week. And what was amazing is Jared and I were talking this week and he was responding about, or talking about something that he shared last week. And I was like, I'm using the same thing. But we had not talked about it. But again, is it not awesome when we're drawn from the same well, how the water all tastes the same? But you see, when we look at the story of a storm, we look at Peter and the disciples we look, they were surrounded by thousands of people and Jesus, the son of God, commanded the disciples. He said, look, go get in the boat and go to the other side. I want you to go to the other side. And we all know the turn that this story took. These disciples are being obedient with what God has instructed them to do, what the son of God has told them to do. He, they are all being obedient and their obedience finds themselves in the middle of a storm. You see, what scares me to death is there's a lot of churches, there's a lot of preachers that will stand behind a pulpit and they will tell you, as long as you give your life to Jesus, as long as you're following Jesus, then everything goes smoothly. And we wonder why people are walking away from the faith. We're wondering why people want nothing to do with church. Well, Brian, that, that preacher told me that time that if, I, if I'm following Jesus, that everything goes smoothly, that everything gets better, that my circumstances are fixed. Tell the disciples that. They're walking in obedience with what the Son of God has told them to do and they find themselves in a storm and all of a sudden they're feared for their life. They weren't out doing things that they weren't supposed to be doing, but they heard the Son of God speak and they did exactly what he told them to do. We know that they were overcome by fear. But what I love about that is they were in the boat and they begin to look out at the storm. They begin to look out at the waves. They begin to look out at the rain and the wind. And all of a sudden, they see a man walking on the water. Did you catch what I just said? The very thing that they were fearful of, the water, the wind, the storms, the rain, Jesus, the Son of God, was walking on top of it. The circumstances that they thought were overwhelming them, the circumstances that they thought were going to overtake them, Jesus, the Son of God, was walking. Good. Saying, you know what? I've already overcome this storm. I've already overcome these waves. I've already overcome this wind. I'm the Son of God. I am God Almighty. They will do what I tell them to do, and I have overcome it already. I'm not worried. Because they do what I tell them to do. But then all of a sudden, Peter cries out and he says, Lord, if it's you, Lord, if it's you, call me on to the water. Call me into the circumstances that I feel right now are about to kill me. And so we know that Jesus calls for him and he says, Peter, come on. Come on, step on to the water. And so for that brief moment, Peter takes that leap of faith. He's obedient to what Jesus has spoken. And we know that he steps out of the boat. And for that moment, he's doing exactly what Jesus is doing. 
For that brief moment, he has overcome the storm. He has overcome the waters. He's overcome the wind. He's overcome the very thing that he thought was going to destroy him. But then all of a sudden, Peter loses focus. You remember what the enemy tries to do? He tries to make your circumstances bigger. He tries to make them louder than the voice of God. Remember the same Jesus that just called him onto the water is still standing right in front of him. Jesus hasn't changed. Jesus' faithful hasn't, faithfulness hasn't changed. His presence hasn't changed. The only thing that changed was Peter's focus. Instead of looking to the eyes of his savior, he began to look at the storm. He began to look at the waves. He began to look at the wind. He began to look at the rain. And then all of a sudden, what happened? He began to sink. He began to sink. I would wonder how many times that in our lives do we do the very same thing? We're faced with circumstances in our life that have scared us to death, that we thought there was no way out of it. And and the longer we stare at them, the more depressed we come. The deeper we fall into sorrow, the deeper we fall into depression because we think exactly like Habakkuk. Remember when he cried out in verse one, how long God will will you not hear me? How long God will you not do anything for me? But what I love most about this is Peter's circumstances didn't change. Peter's focus changed. You say, well, what do you mean? As he began to sink, uh, you remember what he did when he called, he said, Lord, call me out of the boat. And Jesus said, come on. He stepped out of the boat. He overcame his fear. He was standing on the very thing that was gonna destroy him. And then all of a sudden his focus went to all of that and he began to sink. Then he became fearful again. He was scared to death again. And what did he do? Lord, save me. And then we see that Jesus stretches forth his hand and he pulls Peter out of the very thing again that he thought was going to take him down. The very thing that he thought was going to destroy him. But here's what I love, church, and this is what we need to be reminded of. The victory didn't come when Jesus pulled him out of the water. The victory came when Peter cried, Lord, because his focus changed. He no longer looked at the storms. He was no longer fearful. He was now looking to the eyes of his savior. And when he cried out, Lord, that is the moment that salvation took place because a loving father will not turn a deaf ear to a child. But the circumstances didn't change. I don't know about you, but I'm a pretty logical guy. What would have been the easy thing to do here? Number one is just send them across the road or the the, the sea there with just smooth sailing. God, they're being obedient. Make it be easy. Just let life be easy. That would have been the first fix. The second fix is all of a sudden when the storm began to came and all the disciples were scared to death, what they could have done is, is Jesus just could have said, stop. And it all would have stopped. And so now that Peter has stepped onto the water and he begins to sink, when Jesus sees the fear in in Peter's eye, what would have been the easy thing to do again? Stop, wind, 
rain, storms, stop. But you see, there's so many times in our lives that the reason that Jesus sends us into the storm is not so that he can perform the miracle and change our circumstances, but the reason that he sends us into the storm so that we will realize where our strength and our power comes from. Because you see, Jesus was able to save. Jesus was able to empower. It would have been easier if he would have stopped the storm, but he wanted Peter to know, look, in the midst of your storm, I'm not going anywhere. In the midst of your storm, I'm one call away. In the midst of your storm, I'm your strength. I am your security. I am your hope. I am your salvation. Not in anything that you can do. You just have to trust me. Because let's be honest, it's a lot harder to trust in the middle of a storm. It's a lot harder to trust in the middle of a storm. But we see that all of a sudden that Jesus reaches down and he rescues Peter. And, and what I love most about this is that had Jesus not allowed this whole scenario to play out itself, would Peter have learned anything? Because we know when he began to sink is when he began to take his eyes off of the Lord, when he began to take his focus off of his Savior. But what I can guarantee you that walking forward through the rest of Peter's life, what would he do the next time a storm would come? What would he know the next time that, that a disaster would come? It was probably easier for him to remember, you know what, as long as I keep my eyes on Jesus Christ, my circumstances may not get better, but he will sustain me. He will give me the power to overcome the very thing that I feel is going to destroy me. And so the next time a storm comes in all of our lives, how many times have we walked through battles that we never thought we would make it out of? I have. I thought, God, there's no way that I'll ever be able to climb over this mountain. And I wish that I could say I never had those doubts or those fears anymore. I went to a funeral yesterday where I watched a young couple in their mid-30s bury their eight-year-old son. Moms, dads, I don't think that's anything that we could ever prepare for. But you know, I, I, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher. You know, so I should stand back in the back of that room and listen to this funeral and, and just celebrate because God, you're gonna get them through. You know, the thoughts that went through my head? God, how are they gonna make it? God, how will this family make it? God, how are they gonna walk back in their home this afternoon and, and see little Braden's toys on the floor? God, how are they gonna walk back into his little bedroom and, and begin to change things? God, there's no way that a parent will be able to survive this. There's no way that a parent will be able to overcome this. And God, it would have been a lot easier the last 10 days when we begged for you to heal him. God, it would have been a lot easier for you just to do what we know you have the ability to do. And so I wish I knew all the whys. But what I do know is that if they turn their eyes to their savior, they're gonna make it. They're gonna make it. And God's name is gonna be famous because they've made it. 
Because from a worldly perspective, they look at a mom and dad who has just buried their child and they're thinking there's no way they're gonna survive this. Well, the year or two from now, when they're still telling their story and people are coming up saying, how did you make it? It gives them the platform to say, only by the grace of God, only by the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, did we make it. And they will have a platform now to make his name famous. But we see that's exactly what Habakkuk does in verse 18. You know, in the midst of nothing, in the midst of being stripped everything away from him, look how he responds in verse 18. Yet I will exalt your name in the Lord and I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk makes a commitment here We're gonna sing a song in just a moment. But he makes a commitment here. He says, God, starting today, I'm going to worship my way through this battle. I'm gonna worship my way through this battle. And you know, when we read in Genesis where where Joseph talks about the fact that, that what the enemy meant for bad, God is gonna use it for good. And so what we see is that's exactly what's happening here. That's exactly what happens in situations of our life is that the very thing the enemy uses for stumbling blocks, the very thing that he throws in front of us because he wants us to focus on those things, he wants us to fall flat on our face, the very thing the enemy uses for stumbling blocks and almighty God wants to use as a springboard. The almighty God wants us to springboard off of it into faith in him, into trusting him and believing in him, even when we can't see what's coming. And I know that this is the hardest part. I know that this is the hardest part. But in spite of Habakkuk's circumstances, he's saying, God, you know what? I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you. And he makes the declaration. He says, look, I know I'm gonna see the victory. I know that I'm going to see the victory. But not only does he know that he will see the victory, but what I love about what the prophet says, he knows how he will see the victory. He's gonna see the victory, not because everything gets better, He's gonna see the victory because, not because his circumstances are changed, but the reason he's gonna see the victory we read about in verse 19. He says, the Lord, the Lord God is my strength. The Lord God is my strength and he has made my feet like hinds feet and he makes me walk on high places. Does that sound familiar? He makes me walk on high places. He gives me hinds feet. He gives me the ability to do things that I'm not capable of doing. You remember that Jesus was walking on the water a minute ago. You remember he called Peter onto the water and and Peter had feet like hinds feet. He was walking on the water. He was walking on the very circumstances that he thought was gonna take his life, but it was only by the grace of God that he was given the strength to do that. 
And so we see that and we, we should want that. But you see, this is when God is made strong is when we admit that we're weak. When we say there's no way that I and my flesh can overcome this. It is only through the strength of God that I'll be able to. But what we see in Habakkuk and what we see in Peter is that as long as our eyes are focused on God, there's nothing we can't overcome because we are more than conquerors. Because of what Christ did, there's nothing that can overtake us because of who Christ is, because of what Christ has done. You know, it's always funny. You know, I've referenced Jared mentioning deer hunting already in the last two weeks, but I guess I'm kind of like um, the deer reporter. Like, I can't tell you how many conversations that I have before church that somebody will come, man, look what so-and-so killed. Do you see this? I've got people that I don't think have ever even care about a deer. I saw a buck dead on the side of the road today. I get a report every Sunday. I saw four deer on the way to church. I saw two up here on Winder Highway. I saw three over here and I'm like, oh, great. Thank you for letting me know that. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm here with y'all. I can't go kill one of them because I'm here with y'all. Don't get me wrong. That's where I want to be. Praise the lamb. But if you watch TV right now, you turn it on channel two, five or 11. And right now we all, not we all know because a lot of you don't care, but Deer in the peak of their breeding season. And so even on the news, they are warning you, be careful driving. Be careful when you're running around town. And they all, and I heard it on channel two, I think it was this morning actually, they said, look, when one deer runs out in the road, be careful because there's probably another one coming behind it. So you stop in the road, you let them get, then you go. How many of you have seen the way that a deer responds when he crosses the road? That sucker leaps from one side of the road all the way to the other. You've seen him go across the hood of your car. You've seen him, him come to a fence that you thought in your mind, there's no way that deer will ever be able to make it over that fence. And then all of a sudden that little sucker just, and what are you sitting there doing? You're going, how in the world did they make it? How in the world did they ever overcome that fence? How did they ever overcome that obstacle that seemed an impossibility to make its way over? You see, that's what Habakkuk is saying. Because of the strength that I have in God, I will be able to be like that of a deer and I will be able to make it over things that the world thought was impossible that I would ever make it over. And it leaves the world scratching their head going, how in the world did they do that? And it gives us as believers as a platform, the opportunity to say, only by the power of an almighty God was I able to overcome. Only by the power of God was I able to overcome. But you see, the enemy's gonna continue to attack. The enemy's gonna continue to throw those circumstances at us. He's gonna lay things right in our path. And what he wants you to do is when that obstacle falls in your face, do you know where he wants your eyes, right? He wants them on that circumstance. He wants them on that obstacle. He wants you to be just like Peter. He wants you to stare. He wants your focus to be on what he's throwing in front of you because he knows as long as you're staring at it, it's gonna cause you to stumble. It's gonna cause you to fall. 
But what Habakkuk is saying, he said, is it's only by the strength of God that has given me that when the enemy throws death in my path, I am now empowered by the spirit of God that all of a sudden, instead of staring at it, I'm gonna refocus and I'm gonna get my eyes on the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And now all of a sudden, there's the obstacle and I'm over it because I'm looking at Jesus. And now all of a sudden, here comes depression. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there going, it's going to weight me down again. And all of a sudden, I've got to focus. And I get my eyes on the Lord. And I say, you know what, God? I don't have the power to overcome this. But as long as I'm staring at you, God, I I'm breaking that thing. Whew. I'm sweating. Where's the oxygen machine? You got it back there? Okay. Very ironic that it happened at the same place, and I didn't even jump as high this time. I said, I'm going to, it just shows you though, I'm getting a little heavier in the old age. I'm landing a lot harder than I used to. I'm not having the hinds feet. I've got elephant's feet, I guess, because it's causing batteries to go everywhere. But I would ask you this question this morning is what has the storms of life done to you? When death has been placed in front of you, did you stare at death or did you stare at the Savior? When a lost job has been placed in front of you, did you stare at the lost job Or did you stare at the Savior? When a relationship fell apart, did you stare at the failed relationship or did you stare at the Savior? When financial hard times come, do you stare at the financial hard times or do you stare at the Savior? When addiction is placed in front of you, do you stare at the addiction or do you stare at the Savior? There's somebody here today that you need to turn an eye and an ear toward heaven. And be reminded that if the God Almighty gave his son to die on the cross to pay your penalty of sin, what else would he not do? There's nothing else that he would not do. The weapons formed against me will not prosper. The weapons formed against me will not prosper. You know why? Those weapons have already been destroyed. Those weapons were nailed to a cross some 2,000 years ago and they will not prosper. But you see, there's maybe a time in your life, maybe you're in it right now, where God wants to use the disaster that you're in He wants to use your hopeless circumstances right now. And the only thing that he's wanting to do is to prove to you the power that he has. To prove to you the power that he has. No, the miracle may not look like we want it to. 
God may take us through a season where it feels like from, from an earthly perspective that everything has been stripped away. And we feel like we're left with nothing. You do know that Jesus will allow us to go into places where a lot of times he is all we have. But the reason that he takes us there is so that we will wake up and realize that he is all we need. Is the son of God who gave his life for you, who gave his life for me. And so as we close the book of Habakkuk, did y'all catch that? Aggressively, we closed it aggressively. My prayer is, is that us as a church, that our faith has been strengthened. Not in the fact that our circumstances are always gonna change or they're always gonna turn out like we want them to, but where I hope your faith is strengthened is that the Father who loves you will sustain you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Remember, when you call on his name, it says he will save. He will give you the strength to climb the mountain that seems impossible to climb. But I would wonder this morning who here would, would be honest enough to say, Brian, I'm right in the middle. I am staring that mountain right in the face. And everything in my flesh today wants to lay down and quit. Brian, my marriage is on the rocks and I don't even have it in me to fight anymore. My job is on the line and Brian, I don't even care anymore. Can I beg you this morning? Don't look at the circumstances, look at the Savior. Because we know that God is our strength. That he is the only way that we will make it. But maybe you're here this morning and and I asked Brandon earlier in the week that we're going to sing a song that they introduced last week that I will see the victory. We're going to see the victory. We're going to worship through this battle. And there are no weapons formed against me will prosper. None of them. Because my Jesus is bigger. My Jesus is louder. My Jesus is stronger. But somebody here today needs to be reminded of that. And so maybe you've came through that season. Maybe you're standing on the other side and you're thinking, I have no idea how I made it. The beautiful part is, is you did. You did. You know, Wednesday night, we had a young lady in the student ministry who shared her story. Many of you have been praying for this precious young lady. constant headaches, constant pain like you and I cannot even imagine. We've prayed for her. We've begged God to heal her. We've begged God to see the victory now. We, we want it now. Remember Veruca? I want it and I want it now. We've done all that. But I can honestly say that I listened to an 18-year-old girl Wednesday night 
that in so many words said, even if he doesn't heal me here, I'm going to make his name famous. Adults, we can learn from that. We can learn from a young lady who has put her yes on the table and says, I'm yours, God. Use me to make your name famous. Are we bold enough to say, are we bold enough to commit to that? Are we bold enough to pray like a back and say, God, even in the midst of nothing, we've lost everything, but God, today I'm going to worship you anyway. Because I know the victory's coming. The victory is coming. So I would ask you this morning, how are you going to respond? If you've seen the victory already, I would encourage you to worship God for sustaining you to allow you to see that. But maybe you're this morning, you're here and you're in the middle of that same storm that you've been praying for years that it would leave. I'm begging you also to get down here, fall on your knees and worship him anyway. Even when it hurts. Even when it hurts. God, this morning, um, God, where there's a sense of heaviness in the room of I know that there's homes right now that feel like they're in the middle of that storm that you called the disciples into. God, I know there's families in here that are struggling, that are hurting. Maybe it's financially, maybe it's through sicknesses. But God, today, Lord, I pray that they would quit looking at their circumstances and that they would look to you. And God, there's individuals in here that have today have taken their eyes off of their circumstances and God, they focused on you and God, now they're on the other side. So God, I pray that they today would lead by example and worship you for who you are, worship you for what you've done. So God, this morning, as we go into these last set of songs, Lord, I just pray that we would worship you for your holiness, for your power. Because, God, we know the victory is coming. God, when all of the world rejoiced, they thought you were done. They thought you were done. But then the stone was rolled away. And you walked on top of death. You walked on top of hell. You walked on top of the grave because you are the overcomer. And so God, today, I pray that we would realize that because of the spirit that brought you back to life is the very same spirit that lives in us that will allow us to overcome things that seem impossible. And so God, this morning, I pray that we would be obedient. I pray that we would worship you this morning for who you are, that we would give you the credit for sustaining us, for empowering us, for comforting us. And God, we just simply want to worship you right now for who you are. And we ask all of these things in the powerful name of your son, Jesus.